Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest episode of the Haskin Cast podcast. I'm Scott Haskin. That makes sense. And uh, I have a bit of an update on one of our recent guests, Travis Leroy, who uh, is a, a very dear friend of mine. Those of you that listen to the podcast learned that our uh, our friendship goes back like 30 years. So uh, it, it was great to talk to him. And he is now engaged off the market. Forget it, ladies. It's over. You missed out. Unless you're Amy Hickey, in which case you did not miss out. You're the lucky winner. You guys are wonderful people. I'm very, very happy for both of you. Uh, It's so cool. You know, over the years, you see people go through different relationships and different bands and different projects, and you see the ups and downs of their lives. And uh, Amy's an awesome girl. I know that uh, Travis will be really happy, so I'm very excited for both of you. Congratulations. This week, however... We have our first returning guest, one Miss Victoria Page, visited and, uh, well, not physically visited here, but visited the podcast once again to talk about her new movie, Maya, of which she plays the title character. And uh, she's going to talk about that. And then, of course, you know, the thing with her and I is that we always just kind of go off on a tangent on whatever comes to mind, and we could talk for hours. So it was tough limiting it in the podcast, but we had a good time, and I hope that you guys enjoy the conversation. Uh, Let's see what else is going on. Not a whole lot. Uh, Doing some orchestrations for for my friend Brian uh, for a couple of songs that uh, he's writing. And it's always fun to work with different people on different projects. I don't really do a lot of orchestration for other people. So it's actually a pretty different process than what I'm used to. But he's such a great guy to work with uh, that it's uh, it's just a joy. You know, it's a joy to do. And it's, it's always nice to have a challenge. I think it's really easy as an artist to get in a rut and just stay in doing things that you're comfortable because you can know, you, can, you know you can turn out work that you're happy with or that will at least be, I, I guess, what you would deem worthy of of putting out there because you know that you've stayed within those confines that have have made you comfortable of putting it out there in that condition. So it's really nice to actually do something that's completely different and uh, work with, with somebody else and, of course, a really good friend. So it's nice to, you know, uh, uh, create together. So that's a lot of fun. And uh, I've, I've got um, – I'm finishing up actually this coming year's Christmas album now – I wanted to do all three of them last year, but I couldn't because of time. And uh, this year I have the the album mostly completed, but I'm going back and going, okay, so now that I've got all the basic stuff done, what do I want to do with it? Is this right? Is it, does it need to be changed? And uh, so I'm pretty close to uh, getting to the mixing stage. Then I'm doing, um, as time allows, either one of two projects. I really want to do like a 90s computer music album. I've always loved that kind of music. I had an Amiga 500, and music production was really big on that. They actually used to come out with a monthly magazine that would feature two or three different songs on the disc. Yes, disc, like actual floppy disc. And um, I always got really excited more about the music than about the applications or the games or the widgets or whatever they would have on the disc. Like The music was the thing that would excite me. And this is back quite a ways, like before the internet. So we had, at best, we had bulletin boards, which were these systems that were done in DOS, where you could get a password and log in, and you could see what people posted. A lot of message boards um, played Risk online with some people across the world, which kind of fits when you're playing Risk if you're actually playing with people in different countries. 
and uh, and music. There was tons and tons of music being made and and uh, shared on these bulletin boards back in the day, and that were all done on computer. So it, it's um, it, and they were they weren't even MP3s. They were mods. The the file type was a mod M O D. And uh, so I had a mod player on my Amiga, and I could inter- interweave it or interlace it. I think it was interlace or interweave. And it would actually change the speed of the song, but you wouldn't lose any of the pitch quality because they, they weren't – I guess they weren't really audio files. They were like data files that would play through the player that had the sounds, and I'm not really sure how it worked. But it was very unique, and the style of music was completely different. And I've always loved it, so I want to try my hand at writing it. I think that that would be a good challenge and something I've I've not done before. So that's one project. And then the other project is resurrecting. I want to resurrect an album every year because I pulled a lot of my older albums off the market. I've actually written and completed 25 of them. But I pulled um, the first, uh, what, 13 or 14 or so off, off of the market because... As I've grown as a musician and as a music producer and as a music engineer, I look back on those and go, okay, these are good, but it's it's very youthful. I see a lot of my immaturity in that music like compared to where I am now, uh, you know, harmonies, counterpoint, orchestration, different things. And I really want to uh, go back and re-release the albums, but I want to do them with a better sound quality. A lot of them were all recorded off of my Korg sequencer, which was great at the time. But like when I listen to guitars on it, it's just, it's terrible now. Uh, Of course, the goal is still to do live drums, but I live in an apartment, so that gets a little bit touchy with with time and studio and cost and all that, Uh, even though I have some very, very generous friends that have offered for me to record in their place. Um, so yeah, so I really want to re-release one of those every year until I'm all caught up and I'm, I'm doing them a little bit differently. The, the songs on each album will be different because, uh, back then it was, if I had enough to make an 80 minute CD, I would release it. So it could be pop, it could be rock, it could be new age. Like the albums had no coherency to them whatsoever. So I, I'm going to fix that and put out albums that make sense now. And uh, so that's the other goal. So the the one that I'm looking at doing is my Addicted album that uh, is a a hard rock album about somebody who is uh, born addicted to drugs because their parents did drugs. And although I'm not a drug person myself, so I had to use my imagination on it quite a bit. And uh, it was a lot of fun because that's what writing is, right? You're, You're delving into a world that you're creating. So... Uh, yeah, so I, I'm not sure which one I'm going to start with. I would really like to get the Addicted album done, but at the same point, I'm pretty excited about the computer music album. Uh, and then, of course, um, there is a good chance that there may be another Mental Sonnet album this year, but definitely uh, the third Haunted Holidays album will be out. So I'm looking at two, anywhere between two and four albums this year depending on what other projects come up, like doing orchestrations with Brian or, or uh, you know, some other projects that uh, I, I'm in talks, in negotiations on. So a lot of it just depends on how much time is available to work on my personal projects, but we'll see. Either way, I'm really excited. But that's not why we're here today. Today, we are here to learn about Maya, Victoria Page's newest film that has just started filming. So they're very, very much in the early stages. So there's a lot that, you know, when you sign on to do a film, there is often a uh, a document that you sign that basically says that I'm not allowed to talk about certain things. And you have to go to the director or the producer, get approval on what you can and can't talk about when it comes to doing press. 
Uh, and even though I don't think of myself as press, I guess a podcast would qualify as press. So uh, they're, because they're so early on, there's a lot that she couldn't talk about. They haven't even revealed the entire cast yet. And I, I don't even know why. I don't know who they might have that they're holding back. Uh, but they've got some cool people, and uh, I'm very excited to see it. I, I love horror. It's my favorite genre of film. So uh, let's find out more, and let's talk to Victoria Page. All right, let's get Victoria on the line. Victoria, how are you doing today? Hi, Scott. I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It is so nice to have you back again. Thanks for coming for another visit. Of course. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, we had so much fun the last time. And of course, we always do whenever you Mm -hmm. you and I get together, whether it's over the phone or in person. Um, Of course, we don't get to see each other enough these days, but uh, we'll fix that sooner or later. Yes. (laughs) So I understand that you are in a new movie and you guys have just started filming. What can you tell us about your new movie? So the movie is called Maya, and I play Maya. It's a horror film. Um, It's a straight-up horror movie. So it's a horror movie made by fans for fans. My favorite. Yes. Yay! I know. I I love horror. It's my favorite. My favorite to act in. Um, I grew up watching it. Uh, this, This script is... It's... I love it. Um, I was really drawn to it. It's his Paul's intention, not the director and the writer, his intention was to make a smart horror film um, with depth and sophistication, but also maintain the elements mm. of horror, you know, the horror that audiences love. And when I read the script, I have to tell you, I was very pleasantly surprised. Good. Do you, do you feel like a lot of horror movies these days are kind of like, here's the points that we need to hit. We need to hit the jump scare. We need to, you know, hit this part of the story. We need to have people naked. We need to murder people. And we need to make it as gross as possible. And that's the new formula. So there's not as much intelligence as there is like a formulated, this is how we do horror these days. Um, I would say kind of yes and no. Uh, There's definitely a formula that that you see a lot of horror movies stick to. Uh, Still new things that are coming out all of the time. But then you've got stuff that like James Wan does, like The Conjuring mm-hmm. and Insidious, and it's not, it's not blood and guts and gore and right. boobs. Which is really good because everybody can get into it. If you, if you don't like to see straight-up slasher movies, there's, there's another avenue for you. Uh, however, that's, those are few and far between. Mm-hmm. So with, this is an indie movie, and with it being the more independent, yes, you definitely see that formula. You know, Cabin in the Woods. Right. Girls get naked, mm-hmm. boobs and blood. Not that that's bad, right? But I was so happy when I saw how intelligent this was. But that, but that's kind of like you know we've we've seen those movies for years. If you go back to the original Halloween, the original yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, I mean that's all they were. And yeah. seeing what they've done since then, like looking at movies like Saw, that was a far more intellectual <laughs> journey, but it also yeah. had an extreme amount of the visual gore. If that's what you wanted, mm-hmm. I feel like that was it was heading into a much more uh, wider variety of horror. And uh, I think James Wan did the first one, didn't he? Saw, he sure did. Yeah. Yep. So he's he's actually paving quite an interesting way for us to, to potentially go in. And you mentioned The Conjuring, so I have to take a, a little segue here. Okay. Uh, or side journey, I should say. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this on the last podcast, but I was in uh, in L.A. a few years ago. It was like the year before I moved there. And I did the Warner Brothers tour. 
And there's the part where they take you to like the sort of museum where they have the weapons and outfits and different props from the movies. And Mm -hmm. then upstairs they have like a whole floor of just Harry Potter stuff. Oh, cool. But on the, on the first floor where they had like, well, this was, you know, this was in Gone with the Wind or whatever the different movies were. And like, this is a dress that so-and-so wore. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It just didn't really interest me. And then I, I come around this one corner and there's this glass case with the Annabelle doll in it from the Conjuring. And at this point, the only one that had come out was The Conjuring. Annabelle hadn't come out yet. Ooh. I'm telling you, in broad daylight, in a room full of people, that is the creepiest thing I've ever seen, that doll. She is. He did such an amazing <laughs> job on that. I was, to this day, I mean, this is like five years, five or six years ago, probably. Mm-hmm. And I'm still like, wow, that was just, that was creepy. Yeah. I have a, uh, I have a mini one. Um, that he gave me, and I have to tell you that it falls out of its box all the time. Really? I don't know how. Yeah. So hmm. I don't know. She's creepy, <laughs> but but I love it. And how big it works. is it? it um, the one that I have. Yeah. Uh, it was a. It was one of the promo items that they were doing for the for the movie, but it's probably a good thirteen inches oh. tall. Yeah. That's significant. Yeah, yeah, it is. The one that I saw, it was it was definitely the size of a small child. I mean, it, and and I think that's that made it creepier. Yeah, it's not the size of the one that was in the movie. But you know, the actual doll was Raggedy Ann, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I, I've seen the pictures of it uh, from uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren's uh, basement, mm-hmm. and then uh, they did. I think it was uh, Ghost Adventures did a thing where they actually tried to tempt the Annabelle doll, the actual, the real one, the Raggedy Ann one. Oh yeah, you don't want to mess with that. I wouldn't think so. I, I, you know, I don't. I wouldn't. No, no. The the Warrens had a book uh, that came out. The Warrens, or is that the family, or mm-hmm. was that the? They were yeah, the investigators. Okay. Oh, the investigators. What's the name of the family? I don't remember. Uh, I will have to look that up. The family. Well, the family. Um, talking to them because I I was fortunate enough to be able to speak to them. Mm. Things happened all over their property. I mean, horrific things and. I don't know if it was just confined to their doll or if it was, I don't know, but it was definitely, definitely scary. Mm-hmm. Um, not something you'd want to play around with. I would not, even for TV as a ghost hunter, I would not want to mess with that entity at all. Yeah. Have you ever been on a ghost hunt? Um, not, uh, I've done my own because well, I love that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. But more like in Ohio, Pennsylvania, places like that, you know, here's this, here's this bridge that has supposed to be haunted forever or this, um, there's asylums that are closed down that you're not allowed to go into and things like that. But I haven't ever taped anything or, or tried to find, uh, tried to find sound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. I think it would be a really interesting thing to do that, but yeah. I don't know how, how I would deal with walking around in the dark all night. I think that would be the harder thing for me more than anything else because I think your yeah. mind will play tricks on you a lot if you're if you're in a situation like oh, that. Oh, definitely. You go into a creepy attic or a creepy basement, you're going to think any little sound has got to be a ghost. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. yeah. But, but my I don't want to go too far away from from Maya though. So right. Maya is not a ghost story though. It's a it's just a no. horror film. It is a horror so film. So yeah. can, can you tell us a little bit about the premise of the story? So there's a a group of friends um, that meet up and they're going to go on a hike and we get to really learn about each of them, uh, their background. There's, like I said, there's a lot of characterization uh, in this movie, which is really good. So it's not just, 
straight up, here's a character dead, here's a character dead. You really yeah. get to know what's going on, and it's very psychological. So while they're, while they're exploring the woods, a lot of really odd things start to happen, and it, unexplained. Um, so it really starts to mess with them all, mess with their minds. And, uh, and I, Maya, I show up to, to them in different ways. So I am, I'm a shapeshifter. Um, and you don't really know what my intent is or why I'm there in between everything else that's going on. So it really becomes a big mystery while you're in suspense to try to figure out what, why are these things happening to, to these individuals? Okay. Interesting. What what is what were you what was your feeling when you first read that you were playing a shapeshifter? Um, I you know I didn't realize the depth of the role uh, at first um, because of because of the way that I show up, uh, and then after after speaking with with Paul uh, Nemeth about it, I really really learned um, I guess everything that that went into it. I. I think it's very interesting and very amazing, and I'm really happy that I get to play a character like this uh, because it's going to be it's going to be something different for everyone to see. Yeah, that's going to be exciting. But you know, I think when you when you read a script for the first time, and I've read a lot of scripts over the years, probably not even close to as many as you have, but the, the, a lot of times I'll read things and I'm like, how are they going to make this happen? <laughs> Was there anything that that looked like from a production standpoint where you're like? I don't oh, know yeah. about this. So here's the cool thing. He is doing a lot a lot of effects and a lot of things um, specifically where you're not going to know how they're done. Oh, and cool. yeah, and that's that's the the beauty of it, the really cool thing is that not only are you gonna be wondering what's going on in the movie, but you're gonna say, How did they do that? Like what you know, this isn't any movie and they they pulled this off. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna ha- what's gonna be fun is that after the movie is released, there's gonna be a lot of behind the scenes things. So you're really gonna be able to learn about what went into it. I like that. I like because that that'll that'll help younger filmmakers too when they see that things are possible that maybe they wouldn't have considered mm-hmm. before, and then they'll take that and go, okay, but what can we do with that? Definitely. And then bring that up. You mentioned, um, you know, bringing people on just to kill them off in, in movies, and that's definitely something that I've always had an issue with, so I'm glad that this isn't another one of those kind of horror movies where it's just, yeah, oh yeah, there was that guy we saw in the beginning when everybody was happy and we haven't seen him for an hour, but oh, he's on screen, so he's probably going to be the next one to die. I mean, it almost becomes predictable. Right. Exactly. And I remember watching, uh, I, I used to love David Kelly shows. Like I loved The Practice and I loved Boston Public, not Boston Legal, but Boston Public, which was based on a, a school instead of a law firm. And and he would do that. He would bring on a new person for a show that you had never seen before, or maybe they were in the background, the previous couple shows, just so that they would be the one that was going through whatever the issue was on the show. But you wouldn't care because you didn't you didn't care about that character yet. Like there was no mm-hmm. buildup. So I really like that it's more character driven than yeah. than it is anything else. That's good. Me too. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Again, why I loved it. It's and again, I love horror. I, horror is so fun for me because I really like physical acting uh, a lot. It's just my favorite kind. You know, you're, you're really running, you're really jumping, you're really falling. Yeah. Um, and, and every horror movie, whether it is a slasher or not, uh, is fun. But when I read this and I saw, oh, everyone gets depth. Yeah, I, I was just so pleased. 
so so pleased. I'm like, yes, count me in. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I want everything happy. to do with it. That definitely excites me. But being that it's it's physical and you don't have to tell us what the situation is, but is there anything that you're looking at the script? Because you're just starting to shoot now. So is there anything that you're looking at the script and going, I'm kind of nervous about shooting a particular scene? Or do you feel that the way that it's written, uh, you're not really in any, you're not putting yourself at any real risk? I don't think that I'm going to be at risk. The other characters are definitely going to have to do do some physically demanding things. Uh, it's, it's going to be really fun, uh, but but there's not on my part. I'm not gonna. I, I don't think that I'll be in danger of getting hurt. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. You never know. There's so many different. I'm. There are so many different scenes uh, and different locations for this. So you never know. Yeah. That's well. I hope that obviously. I hope that you'll be safe. But uh, thank you. It, it's interesting because in horror movies, especially, I think that that is one of the most dangerous to shoot because there is a lot more. Like, like they choreograph some of it, but I, I know a lot of times it's just okay. Just run from here to there, and we'll shoot it and we'll see what it looks like. As opposed to like an action movie where a lot of the the things are choreographed very right. specifically. Uh, well. I've been in horror before, and it is choreographed. We'll have a, a stunt trainer on set to to help teach you, uh, but you still there's always still that danger. Yeah, because we're not we're not training for ever. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. Yeah. I mean, you have a limited time, and and obviously, right. you know, being an indie film, you have a, lim- a little more limited exactly. budget for those kind of things too. Yeah. 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 So it's not months of training; it's a couple of days of training instead. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's definitely still that risk there. Right. Um, I'm not sure what training would go with this. There's a lot of prep that we're putting into this. Um, okay. We went to we went to LA last week and worked with Joe Castro, who is just a fantastic uh, special effects artist. Mm-hmm. So he's going to be doing some things um, that we can't mention yet, sure, but sure. you will see soon. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, really good locations all over LA, uh, Colorado, Arizona. Wow. So you're shooting in all the states I've lived in, basically. (laughs) We did that on purpose. I figured, yeah. So when you (laughs) shoot in Michigan, let me know. Uh, Okay. (laughs) I don't know if they have a tax incentive anymore, though. I think that might be gone. Oh, no. They had a really big one for a while, and I think it might have cost them a little too much. And uh, and then they either severely dialed it down or don't have one anymore. I don't know what the what the current state of it is, but uh, had some friends that shot a, a film out there, and they were they were very generous at the time. Wow. Yeah. No, I, I haven't heard anything about Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, although I, they're doing a lot of things in Louisiana and Atlanta. I'm um, some in yeah. Ohio now. Ohio and Pennsylvania. Really? So it's moving. It's moving out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I'm just glad to see more states coming on board and, and because there's, you know, not everyone can travel. Not everybody has the means to pick up and move to another state because it's not right. just about the acting job. It's you, you have to have a lot of other things to live somewhere uh, and, unless the production is, is housing you or putting you somewhere. Um, but for most people, especially in the indie world, they don't have those opportunities. So it's good to see productions going to those states. Um, right. I, I've watched the decline in Arizona since uh, the tax incentive that they had had gone away and the continual fight for that. And then now, you know, then I moved to L.A. and then moved to Vegas and we have, you know, a, a good tax incentive here and we did in California. So it's nice to be in places where production is happening around me. It, 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 I just feel like it changes the energy of the city. Yeah, it does. It, it definitely does. It's 
it's a good energy. It's a good mm-hmm. energy to be around. Yeah. Not to say that people in Arizona aren't still making films because they are, but they're much more on the independent production side than anything of, of like a larger scale coming through town. From what I understand, there's a new studio here. Uh, I know there's a, a big corporate type studio mm-hmm. uh, for, for bigger films, but yeah, I heard I heard something about there being some kind of a studio, a new studio in Arizona. Oh, um, which you know, being in California for what the past three four years, I didn't I didn't know anything about. So sure, sure. I was yeah. happy to hear that because because films out here really or films in Arizona really need uh, to get a chance to yeah. um, not only have to work with the same the same people at the same locations because that's what they know they can get. Mm-hmm. They can branch out and work somewhere different or make their make their set uh, look different just because it's that a bigger type of studio. That's fantastic. It can really bring a lot of change. Absolutely. And you, and you hit on something that's really key, especially in the indie world is that people tend to just work with the people that they know or with their friends and they don't really branch out. And I think that working with different people uh, really helps you build your skills because you're yeah. you you see things a little bit differently, or you're forced to do things you wouldn't normally do because of the the difference in the people you work with. Um, right. Have you worked with Paul as a director before? Uh, not as a director, actually. I worked with him in a man called Nereus back in oh, 2009, I believe it was. He was in was, there. Yeah, he sure was. <laughs> he sure was. That's how I first met him. Uh, and worked with him, and actually another one of our cast members, J.C. Marquez, was in that as well. And mm-hmm. that's how that's how he's connected to being in this film. And that's and that's how Paul remembered me and approached me for this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said that when, while he was writing it, um, he just kept thinking he's never written uh, a character as someone before. But while he was writing this, he said, "I just kept popping into his head, so I had I had to audition." <laughs> Yeah. And I'm very happy that I got the role. Well, and once you start, once you see a character that you're writing as somebody that you know in real life, it's like you can't unsee that. And you'll start tailoring that character to what you know that person can do. Well, I'm really honored and happy to have been that person. <laughs> well, it's a huge compliment. And obviously, you, you made an impression on him when you were filming together. And I'm going to have to go back and watch that now because I honestly don't remember him seeing him in yeah. it. Unless I just didn't realize it was him. Probably not. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. But I worked with Paul like, what, 10 or 12 years ago on, on a film. I did some additional music called uh, on a film called The Domain, um, yeah. which was about uh, a guy who was, uh, if I remember right, he had like a, it wasn't a porn ring. It was like some kind of digital erotic ring thing he was doing that was illegal. It's been so long since I've seen it. I don't really remember, but it was very Mm -hmm. dark. It was a very dark and very edgy film at the time. Um, And he had, uh, he had a composer, but he needed some additional club music written, which Mm -hmm. I had never done. And I'd also never worked on a film, but I was looking to get into it. And uh, I, we connected and he said, well, I I need some, you know, club music. And I'm like, I'll give it to you in an hour. And then I got off the phone and went, what the hell did I just do? <laughs> Good job. Yeah, in right. An hour. Yeah, like I really wanted the job so bad. Wow. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know anything about club music. How like name that tune? You're like, I can do it in half an hour. Right, yeah. You didn't so, need to do that. So I get on Amazon and I listen to a bunch of clips. And I'm like, okay, I got it. And I sent it to him in 58 minutes. And, and got the job based on that. And then I wrote a couple other pieces for the Good movie job. after that. But thank you. But yeah, so that's how I met Paul. 
Um, and, and it was a great project to work on, and, and I'm really proud of that. And that was actually the first film that I worked on. So we wow. go way back. So I'm excited that. that you're working with him. That's great. Yeah, me too. I, and I like to hear that. I, I really like to hear that he's worked with other people that I know and, and things to that extent. He, he, I mean, he's done a lot, which is fantastic. And he, David Hayes, um, he worked with Anirius and I think Screen Machine, because Screen Machine was a pretty big uh, one that he did, uh, underground horror that got a lot of traction. So he's, he does really good things uh, with the people that he works with and continues to want to work with the same people because cause getting that core group really is important. That way we all are very comfortable where we're working with each other and it's, it's just a fun experience for all. Even if on screen it's going to be very suspenseful and horror. Right, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, when, when the cameras are off, it's very important to have a, a really good, strong core group. It is, especially if the things that you're filming together are, are going to be intense. Yeah. You know, I, I remember talking yeah, oh, yeah. to uh, Ashley C. Williams, who was the in, in The Human Centipede, the first one. And, mm-hmm. and she said that, that the, the three of them just got along so well. Oh, and that's that, great. You know, when you're, when you're spending that much time in an uncomfortable position, mm-hmm. uh, just, just forced together like that, I mean, it's so important to get along with yeah. the cast. But, there, so, but it, it must be nice for you to walk into a situation where you have at least some people that you're familiar with mm-hmm. and then some new people that you're going to work with as well. Exactly. It, yeah, it is. It's, it's exhilarating. It's, there are a lot of very intense, uh, very close scenes. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun and an experience to, to experience that with other actors, mm-hmm. especially. So he made this, it's very culturally diverse as well. So we have, or he has actors coming in from, from everywhere that aren't even announced yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got Frank Stevens, who, you know, you know huge horror icon. And then Ola Ray uh, is going to be in it as well. Um, who was, she played Michael Jackson's girlfriend in Thriller. Mm-hmm. She's a model, a singer, an actor. She just does everything. Right. Um, we've got JC Marquez and me, and <laughs> there's, there's a lot. So you can go through the cast list and look and take a look at who it is, and then you can see who we've worked with. Mm-hmm. It would take a little bit of work, but you can see when we've worked with each other right. and the ones that we haven't. So it is, it's, it's like a family, and then we're bringing some other people in as well. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is too with with somebody like Paul, obviously he's he's concerned about the camaraderie. So I would imagine mm-hmm. that part of him picking some of these people that you guys haven't worked with is based uh, on their reputation. On, Definitely, you know the fact that they haven't been known to have a lot of drama. They're not in the media right. for negative publicity kind of things. Exactly, he was saying that Ola Ray. Every single person he speaks to just speaks the world of her. So I'm really excited to work with her and meet her. Kinda and of like course, you. Frank Stevens. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I hope I have that reputation. You do. I, I mean, I, we have a lot of mutual friends. And I've, I can't say I've ever once heard anybody say anything bad about you. Nothing scandalous, nothing like, oh, she was having a difficult day or, you know, whatever. No, no. Like, like never anything, I, I can't think of a single thing I've ever heard anybody say about you that I would have, like, wanted to punch him in the oh, face for. Good. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I try to keep, try to keep that completely away. That's, it's not the place if you, obviously people get tired and and they can get cranky and if you're in a certain scene and you have to act a certain way you, you got to get into that headspace but yeah overall it's just it, everybody works really well together because everybody wants to have a really good time at the end of the day you know nobody wants to go home and be ugh, 
this was this was a bad set and I, I didn't like working with this person. Nobody wants that. So right. you really, the people that you see get more and more work, it's usually because they're, they know how to behave <laughs> and they work really well with others. Yeah, I think the attitude of, of the people that you work with is a big thing because you, you're, you know, and, and you see a lot of these videos about why Hollywood won't cast this person or that person anymore on YouTube. And whether that's true or not, there would be a validity for it because what those videos are typically about is this person treats their assistant badly on set in front of other people, which makes everybody uncomfortable and right. no one wants to be around that. How are you going to go do a love scene with an actor after he's just berated his assistant because his cheese wasn't cut into cubes? Yeah. Well, that would be horrible. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, you don't want that kind of stuff on set. But yeah. then the the bigger, or I, I shouldn't say the bigger because that's not the right word, but the, the more well-known you become as an actor, those things become even more important. Mm-hmm. And I just saw a, a headline this morning and, and I just took a brief glance at the article where apparently Melissa Joan Hart now is under fire because she took her kid from a private school and put them in a public school and said something about, and, and I don't, I don't want to, you know, misquote her but it was it was something related to the way that people are that that are believe in god in the way that people are or potentially could be that don't believe in god and i don't know what she actually told her son or what how her son maybe converted it and said it to someone else but now that's become a big thing and it's like that's you know it's got nothing to do with her ability to act in a movie right you know right and how old is her is her Son, uh, I'm not say? sure. I don't. I don't think her kids are that old, though. I, I, I mean, yeah. they're, they're not. They're not even junior high age. I don't think. Especially when you're teaching children. I mean, so many things can be taken in in and out of context. And yeah, that just doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I, I've never heard anything bad about her. I haven't either, and I don't necessarily think that this was either. But but you know, the way that the media takes one yeah. thing and then they'll spin it into whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's like I did. I it's almost a f- terrifying to say anything that it, because of what might come back. Yeah, it 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 can be. <laughs> it can be because they can they can twist things. Um, just dependent upon where it is and I guess what what the story should be that week and what you're doing and what it what it has to do with if it's if you're doing it in a movie or something and I don't know. Yeah, I don't I can't really tell you how that how it works with that. Yeah. <laughs> Just try to behave yourself all the time. Well and I think that, that you know, much like you, she's probably just naturally a good person. You know, I've listened to a lot of interviews with her. I've never heard her say anything that I was like, what did she just say? You know, yeah. and, and, but I've listened to a lot of the podcasts and things that she's done. And she's, she's actually very intelligent, not just as an actor, but as, you know, as understanding the business and as a business person herself and the things that she did with her mom and the company creating Sabrina. Um, but yeah, do, do you ever get nervous, like doing podcasts with me <laughs> about things that, you know, <laughs> Like, thanks for coming on the um, show. I, yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, I think that it. I think it's just a personal thing. Like if I, you know, when I have a conversation with anybody, I'll go back and I'm like, what did I say? Did I did I say something that I didn't realize I? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, I didn't realize I said, or did I position it in a way that I didn't mean it like that at all, but it could be taken wrong? Um, I think that's just general anxiety, though. I don't, you know, I don't. Um, dwell over it or anything but yeah you want to i guess have a general idea of what you're going to talk about 
Yeah, I think that helps. And, uh, it, you know, the, the, I guess for me, because I don't do a lot of things in the media, but I was recently interviewed for another podcast and I found myself doing the same thing. I was like, as soon as I said something, my, my, my mind immediately went to, how are people going to take that? Are they going to take it? You know, and I'm already answering another question, still thinking about the last question. Yeah. You know, so. I think that's natural. Is it? Or is it just being ridiculous? I felt like I was being ridiculous. Uh, it depends, maybe, you know, on, on what it is. If, if somebody asks you what you had for breakfast and then you don't like your answer and you're thinking about how you answered it, then maybe it's a little ridiculous, Scott. <laughs> Why did I say eggs? It's, There's those people that hate okay. dairy, and I'm going to lose them as fans. You can say fried eggs. It's okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, you've done a lot of interviews over the year, but you've also been an interviewer. I mean, we've, we've, together we've interviewed yeah. people, and you've done quite a bit of that. Do you, do you miss doing that? Um, well, that's, that's how I started. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where everything started. Um, and that was, that was so much fun. I do sometimes miss doing that. Uh, it's it's really fun to be on the other end of it, uh, to have somebody that actually wants to come and interview you about something. Mm-hmm. But I really did love doing the interviews because I got to meet and work with so many incredible people. Yeah. And that, you know, that's when people are coming up to interview you, they're from the media uh, or, well, yeah, from the media. So you don't have Phil Lamar, John Schneider, uh, Richard Eckhart, like you, you don't have them coming up to you right. wanting to ask you a slew of questions, so you don't get to sit with them as much as as much as if you're interviewing them. Do you think, though, that there's like a hierarchy for an actor that once you've become a, a known actor, whether it be film or television, that, that if you went back to doing interviews, that, that people would take that as like your career's failing? Or do they think that, oh, cool, look, she's interviewing people now. Look at what she's doing between films. Um, I, I think that you can get pigeonholed into things. I don't think ever that it would show that an actor is failing. I wouldn't, I would never think like that, but you can get, you can get stuck doing that. And that's kind of why I, I shied away from it a bit is I, I was working a lot with comic conventions and, and doing interviews at those with their guests that came in, but then they started bringing me in as a guest. So it was, it was a little different because then I had, I mean, I had films that were coming out and I, I was collaborating with different artists and was in books. So for me to go and break away and just still only do interviews, I, I didn't want to only do interviews. I wanted to act. And doing the interviews was something that really, to me, it was fantastic because I had never worked with these people or in the, this world. Mm-hmm. But once I did that for about two or three years, I realized, okay, this is, this is great. Uh, I've been able to show other people what what these icons, you know, these wonderful people have done to get where they need to be. Now I feel like it's time to to start going towards more towards my goals of film. Yeah, I can see that. But but it, I mean, it was a great experience. You got to talk to some pretty incredible people. I mean, oh my god, it was fantastic. I think yeah, we talked about it. this last time, but like just just sitting there for five minutes with Phil Lamar was a pretty awesome experience, even for me just being there doing the photography of it and all. But just like <laughs> the interaction with him was phenomenal. He's wonderful. Yes, and we to this day. I mean, we've got a. A professional relationship because of that and mm-hmm. and that's what was so fantastic about it is that when I met and sat down with with the people that I that I have over the years and 
there's so many I can't even think think about them now. Voice actors, uh, actors, mm-hmm. comic book artists, writers. I got to know them through that. So it wasn't just a, hey, we're doing this interview really quick. Okay, bye, see you later. We built a relationship off of that and then started working together. And now we collaborate in other ways. Right. Um, and that's, that to me is just, is one of the most wonderful things that can come of it. And I, and I don't know if most people who do interviews are journalists or if that's their main goal. But when I, when I, when I started doing the interviews, it was because a friend of mine had opened up a Comic-Con and I said, hey, listen, let me help you with your show. Like, right. I, yeah. I'm an actress, I'm a model, I'll do promotions, whatever you need. Um, and then, you know, I met, I met so many wonderful people through that and then they just put me in their projects and or asked if I would be a part of it. And it, I don't even know. I mean, that wasn't my goal. Right. That wasn't something that, that I was trying to do. I just, I wanted to highlight them. But <laughs> a lot know? of things happen organically if you, if you put yourself out there and especially if you're doing something that's a pure heart generosity, you know, like yeah. you want to help your friends out. So you just go do something. A lot of times things develop organically from there. So you went from that to just a short time later going to Comic-Con in California, which is the biggest one, and having a huge poster of you that was drawn by Justin Chung hanging oh from the wall. Oh, my God, that was amazing. Like, how do you, how do you go from that to that? <laughs> um, like you said, it was organic. So I started, I interviewed all these, these artists and these creators, and um, when, when I went to do the interviews, for Phoenix specifically, I was told, interview everybody. And I think there were like 300 guests. So there, it was impossible for me to interview everybody. So I interviewed bef- a couple weeks before right. with some of the local bands and local people that I could interview with. But when I went to the show, I, I really studied and found the people that, to me, it looked like they had the biggest impact in the business, but nobody knew who they were. Ah. So uh, Brian and Christy Miller from Hi-Fi Coloring, they color everything, picks Pixar, Disney, there's stuff on Marvel, there's stuff in Barnes & Noble. You can look on comic books and they'll say hi-fi. They're amazing individuals, but nobody knew who they were. And uh, Shannon Denton as well. He's done storyboarding for everything. Um, He's a fantastic artist and nobody knew who he was, but everybody within the industry did. Right. So so I I found individuals that I thought should be known, excuse me, be known or that automatically had my respect because of how many wonderful things that they had done. So I focused on first on, on that. And from there gained that relationship, they were surprised. I mean, I remember they're like, wait, you're, you're interviewing me. I was like, yeah, look at what you've done. Right. <laughs> look who, you know, look, you're, you're super important. And, um, I, I don't know if it was because of me actually having knowledge as to who they were, that it built a relationship, but we all, you know, we, we became friends. And through that, then, uh, even with Justin Chung, they, they're like, hey, you know what? I was working on this project, and I thought, hey, Victoria would be really great to, to be a part of this. Or, um, like with Justin, that was a word of mouth. He had heard of me from one of the other people. said, hey, come, come meet me at Comic-Con, um, which I, I met him at Comic-Con the year before the banner. And he said, I have this project that I'm working on, this pinup project. If you want to work on it, we could do something. Uh, and we all collaborated. And then the next year, he loved, he loved it so much. Um, Brian and Christy Miller from Hi-Fi also collaborated on that piece as well. 
Um, and it, it, I guess for, for them or for Justin, at least it was a, it was a good enough piece that he said, you know, I, I have to submit this. We did uh, tops card. Mm-hmm. So I got to be in a trading card pack, which was really cool. Yeah, how awesome and, uh, is that? Yeah. And and for those who don't know Justin's work, um, Justin does a lot of the Star Wars trading cards. Um, he's got a very unique style, and if you once mm-hmm. you see what his style is, if you see a card, you'll know it's his. Yeah. But, I mean, for for a guy who does that kind of work for one of the top movie franchises in history, to be drawing you on trading cards, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> feel pretty amazing. It was, it was unbelievable. It was just incredible. I really, I feel so fortunate to, to get to work beside and with these just insanely talented individuals. I, I really, it's been, uh, 2010. So it's coming up on nine years now, uh, that I've been working with everyone. And, and it's just, it's been an incredible experience. It's really helped me grow a lot Mm -hmm. where, again, I thought I was just, Honestly, I was helping a friend promote his convention. Right. And then from there, getting to meet the guests, um, was, it was tremendous. Yeah. It, 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 I think that's the key, though, is that you, were, you weren't doing it trying to gain something except Never. just, you know, obviously you, you gain some sort of self-satisfaction when you help someone else, but it wasn't like right. you were saying, yeah. oh, this will boost my career, so I should right. do this. Yeah, not at know? all. <laughs> no, not at all. I was, I was doing a lot of uh, independent films in Arizona, I didn't think that they were even related at all whatsoever. Right. I thought, oh, I'll do this. And, and back about 10 years ago, cosplay was not a thing. I mean, there were maybe one or two other girls in the area that did it. It was, it was kind of frowned upon and laughed at. Right. So I, I, didn't, I didn't have any idea the impact it was going to have. And also, I didn't have any idea that the people that I was going to work with and, and eventually become you know, close with, they have all just their careers are fantastic and they've blossomed and they've worked so hard. And the, the things that they're working on now, the shows that they're producing now and the project that they're that that they are connected with uh, is it's fantastic. And it's, it's been really cool to watch everyone grow. Yeah. Uh, and excel over this time too. I love that too because when you like somebody's talent and then you find out that you like them as a person, mm-hmm. seeing them blossom it just means that much more. Yeah. But I like that you were also really focusing on people that you knew had an impact but weren't necessarily known for it because productions are not just the actors they're not just the writers. They're it's a combination of so many people. And mm-hmm. when I think about the credits to the end of a Harry Potter movie being almost 20 minutes, there's a reason for that, mm-hmm. you know, because that's how many people worked on it and how many people deserve that recognition. And even though your name might be one tiny line on, you know, 300 pages that we just looked at, right. you still deserve that credit. And I like mm-hmm. that they actually take the time to do that. You know, yeah. whereas before it might just be visual effects brought to you by ILM and the people aren't mm-hmm. getting the credit for it that actually do the work. And now right. even Star Wars is doing 11 pages of here's who works at ILM that, that worked on this movie. That's fantastic. I, I would, I mean, I'd rather sit there and watch that and know that that, that many people touch the art than just, just have the company name. I always say through the credits now, always. Um, after doing this for so long and, and seeing how many people work on projects and, and knowing 
people who do set design or, oh, I do some of the effects for this. I don't know anyone who worked on Star Wars. <laughs> right, yeah. The, the artists, I mean, the artists that are licensed, yes, but not not a... Not in the credits at the end, right? Um, but but it's it's so important to recognize those people because it's not just the actors that you see in front of the film. I mean, think of the effects that go into it, the 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 editing, the audio. That there's I can't even I can't even start to to go through how many different parts there are because there's so many, sure, so many different pieces. Well, the sound design team alone is probably going to be a good three pages of names. And and that's that's not costumers, makeup artists, you know, set designers, yeah. because those are some pretty elaborate things. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. a lot of it's green screen now, but but there's so much work that goes into it. Yeah. Uh, and of course, then you get to enjoy 20 more minutes of the music if you like the music from the movie right? while you're watching the credits. Um, but I think a lot of people stay also because they're they're afraid there's going to be some sort of like Guardians of the Galaxy ending that they're not going to see if they leave the theater too early. Yeah. But I like that they did that because they're kind of tricking the public who doesn't normally care about the other names yeah. to stay and see. That's so true. it's like, hey, you know what? We're going to show you these names and the people who made this possible, and then you can see your little teaser. Right. Which is which is great, but it's it's really showing a lot of respect to everyone who worked on the film. Yeah, but it's almost disappointing now if there isn't some kind of thing at the end of the credits that you <laughs> waited for, like if there's no Howard the Duck teaser or something. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I know. I know, because you kind of, you want that. You you expect it almost. Well, you're like, hey, I sat here for 20 minutes and waited and, and through these credits, and now you gave me nothing. Uh, why, why is there a blank screen? Right. Well, I actually prefer to wait because, A, I like to have, I like to hear the isolated music if, I, if mm-hmm. I've liked the score or didn't really get a chance to hear the score. Like in a lot mm-hmm. of action films or, or, or space films, there's so much noise going on that you really don't get to hear the music as much. Um, yeah. and, and being a musician, obviously that's a point of interest for me. So I like to hear the isolated score at the end, but I also like to stay and see, you know, how many people were in the production. I also don't like to leave with everybody because then I'm just going to be standing in a crowd of people stuck trying to get to the exit. Yeah, that's true. I'm one of, that's, that's I'm true. always one of the last people to leave it, whether, whether I'm at like a Cirque du Soleil show or a movie theater, uh, you can, I'll, I'll stand and let you buy. I'll just sit here for a couple minutes and. Hey, you have to finish your popcorn. That's right. Yeah, I didn't pay $92 for this so oh that I could gosh. just leave half of it in the theater floor. So what was it like? Did you know that there was going to be a banner of you at Comic-Con in, in California? Or was that, did you walk in and go, oh my God, when you saw it? Let's see. I, I remember that he told me he submitted it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you know until right before. Oh. Uh, and then I think there were... There were three, or if if not if not three, there were at least two. Really? And he did not tell me that. Yeah. So as it rotates, because it rotates, what they do is they'll highlight certain guests. And Justin has been working with so many people within the industry for so long mm-hmm. that they that that he's one of their like highlighted uh, artists. Right. So he's like, yeah, I get you know I get to put something up or uh, on the on the banner. And I walked in. He's like, hey, watch for it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's me. And I watched again. I was like, oh, my God, there's another one. Like, wow. it was it was just the, I don't even know how to express how that feels. It's unbelievable. It's it's amazing. It's really, it's, again, honored is, is the word that I keep going back to because it's not something that I ever would have 
I didn't even know that they had that there, mm-hmm. to be honest. Right. I mean, I'd only gone the year prior. Um, so the fact that my face was up there right. was the coolest. I only knew of one, the, the picture from the pinup. I didn't realize that there oh. was more than that. He had the card up there. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, he had the card up there. And I think he did it two years in a row. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it was a it was a surprise. It was a very happy surprise. Wow. That is pretty amazing, I have to say. Yeah. But it was, something it was very nice of him. equally amazing has also recently happened to you, Miss I Got a Huge Spread in a Magazine. Oh, yay. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's some pretty amazing... Um, news for me. It is. Tell uh, us about it. So I, I worked with a, a friend of mine at a studio, and he showed me this photographer. And he's like, "Hey, listen, this photographer does some really great work. You should get in contact with him. Uh, you know, just see if maybe you guys can work together one day." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And I looked at his work, and I thought, "Man, this guy's work is phenomenal. Like, how do I not know him?" Uh, he works He works with a lot of cosplay, and I haven't really done uh, a lot of cosplay photography in, uh, it's been a couple of years, I'd say. You know, I do a couple of shoots here and there, but not, not, like, I, not like I did about three, four years ago. Um, so I contacted him thinking 100% that for a cosplay project, and maybe we would collaborate together, or he would hire me, or I would hire him, or however, you know, was needed for the, for the situation. Uh, and I contacted him Well, I followed him on Instagram and he followed me back, which I was like, Oh, that's fantastic. Uh, and then we started talking, we started talking through there and he said, Hey, listen, I have this project. I'm in need of a model. Uh, I would like to get some new images for it because they're working on a, a glamour section for shutter magazine. And he wanted to work with these, these gels and the lighting that he did. And I hadn't ever done a shoot like that before. But when I saw his work, I had so much faith in him. I had to work with him. I had to. So I, we went and we did the shoot. And we were, let me just tell you, immediately comfortable with each other. He comes from a theater background. So he used stage direction, which I was super comfortable with. Right. And uh, the makeup artist, uh, Laura Edmondson is her name. She came in and just did a wonderful job um and david bird it's reality reimagined is a photographer so we work together we went through pictures together which is which is fantastic um normally you don't always get to do that with a photographer they'll take the pictures and they can they can pick their own especially when it's their own project right yeah um but he uh we worked together on images that we that we both agreed were were good uh lighting styles and, and such and he told me there were going to be three pictures and the magazine just dropped and it's a 15 page spread with seven pictures. That's huge. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I never expected. So my, it's my first international publication. It's a Barnes and Noble worldwide starting January 12th and you can get it online for free as well. The digital, uh, the digital, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the downloadable files, the, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. the downloadable, um, and so you can see it. You can see it there. But if you want it in print, 
uh, Barnes and Noble, and I'm definitely well. I, I get one, but I'm definitely going to buy extra. Well, yeah, <laughs> so. I would hope so. What which which magazine is it? It's called Shutter. So it's for photographers who want some tips on lighting or editing. So it's a it's a I love it because it's a magazine that's a, that's to help other artists. Right. Right. And the the article is about the so many people say fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. And it's the importance of not doing that. Mm. Because if you really want to be successful in business and have a successful business, if and, and it's written by David Bird, the photographer, who's you know phenomenal man. He and a psychologist that he worked with, and it tells you, hey, listen, when you when you're building yourself up with falsities, your subconscious knows that. And, and he goes into what happens and how it's not good for you. It's not good for yourself. It's not good for your business. Uh, just, just say what you are actually doing and it'll build from there. And you'll be able to create your brand, create yourself organically without having to make things up to try to, try to seem bigger. Yeah, and there's so many strategies when it comes to how to market yourself or market your product. And, you know, one day you'll read something that says you really need to engage your fans and you you need to build a strong fan base so that you mm-hmm. can eventually do a Patreon account and get support and this and that. And then the next day or two days later, you'll read something that says your fan base isn't even important. Don't focus on that. They're yeah. your fans already. <laughs> They're going to stick by you. Throw them a bone My every goodness. once in a while. But, you know, I mean, everything that you read contradicts every other thing that you read. And it's it's almost impossible to figure out how to market anything anymore yeah well this is a very good article mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a really good article and it really i don't think there's a lot of contradictions in it at all um i i think that it even if something comes out next week and tells you to fake it till you make it you're gonna you're this this article is gonna resonate with you it's gonna stick with you for the right reason well and, and it's written by somebody that's got the history to say Exactly. Here's here's what I can tell you based on what I've seen or what I've done, as opposed to a lot of these articles that you see that are written by people you've never heard of. Right. That you know they they're more like article writers than they are people that mm-hmm. work in the industry who wrote an article. And I think there's a big difference between those two things. Right. And and he has done several um, several shoots for this magazine, so he's he's definitely doing what he needs to do. Um, and and he, in the article, even he talks about it. He had never done that kind of lighting before. And he told me that. So instead of me going in there thinking, oh, this guy knows exactly what he's doing. We're not going to have any problems at all. And then being surprised, I knew, hey, he's going to, every once in a while, he's going to have to move this. He's going to check. He's going to move this. He's going to check. He's going to put this gel here and this one here. And that was fine with me. Right. I hadn't done that kind of a shoot either. Mm-hmm. So, and his style is different than I'd shot which is fantastic. I really like being out of my element in that case because you have to you really have to grow and do different things. And you've shot with a lot of different people. So to find yeah. something that's completely different from what you've experienced before must have been pretty interesting. It was. It was. I, and it was, a, I mean, a studio shoot, too. So we had, you know, this one area to, to use and, and these props to, to use to help with everything. And um, a lot of shoots that I do aren't specifically... They're in a studio, but not like a warehouse type studio. Right. So he was able to do different things that other photographers haven't. They did. They just don't utilize. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm I'm excited. I mean, that kind of a spread, especially in an international magazine, even in a local magazine, would be pretty cool. But uh, but to reach something that's international and you know it has a huge following and a lot of people are going to see those pictures, yeah. that that's pretty awesome. And I'm really excited to see that that you were chosen for that. Thank you, thank you. I was beyond pleased. <laughs> the shoot is completely different. I've never done a shoot like that before. Uh, I. Yeah, I've done print type commercial photography and cosplay, but this was this is glamour. And it was I because I, I stay away from the more naked, I guess, type of shoots. <laughs> um or or I have in the past. Um because I wanna if, if when I do things like, like this shoot in particular, um I want it to have a more classy look. Right. And not just be specifically 100% about the, the sexualization of it. Mm-hmm. And he, he, it was also to highlight the, the lighting, to show, hey, this is how you can get this, this lighting. So it had so many different meanings behind it. I was really excited to be a part of it. Right. And I mean, I, I've seen a lot of the stuff that you shot. I haven't seen everything because I don't I think that would be impossible. But I've seen a lot of it. And I, I have to say that you always shoot... It can be alluring or it can be a little sexy, but it's always classy. You know, there's Thank always, you. I mean, you know, even the horror stuff that you've done has an element of class to it. I don't think that you, you could be accused of doing anything that was overtly sexual. I don't, there might be a couple out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to say that I don't, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not opposed to it. I mm-hmm. just, there's a, there's a certain image that I'd like to portray. Yeah. Well, and, and also it could be because I know you and maybe because we're such good friends, I just don't see it that way. Like if, if something was a little more on the sexual side, like I may not look at it that way because I know you as a person and I don't see the picture. I don't really separate the picture of you from the person that I know. Yeah. That could be. Maybe. In all fairness. Yeah. I mean, again, I mean, you look through my stuff, you're not, you're not going to find a lot, a lot of stuff like that. But I, I feel like, like when I see uh, Gal Gadot. You know, she's she's so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But I see her do things that are, I mean, a model shows their body. That's, right. that's what they do. It's, it's their art and the photographer's art and how, just with a, like a director, um, if they need you to do certain things in a scene. But when you see someone like, like her and you see her pictures and you see her picture and she's got just a blazer on with nothing underneath, not, there's no... Not for a second am I, am I like, oh man, she's just trying to show her boobs, right. you know, or she's she's trying to get attention because of this. It's just it's, I don't even know what to call it, but it's it's classy, I guess. Yeah. And it's just beautiful, and it's just oh, okay, this is this is normal. Like no, Naomi Campbell, I saw her on a a magazine. She was completely topless, but nothing about it was for the sake of, hey, look at my tits. Right. You know, it was just. These are, this is the spread, this is beautiful, this is what works. And there's, I see a lot of, unfortunately, I see a lot of girls that want, I don't know how to position this. (laughs) Um, I I think they just put themselves in a situation they don't realize that they're they're putting themselves in or, or conveying a look that they don't realize is a certain way. Right. 
And you don't have control. Like once once you've done the shoot, you've already signed off on mm-hmm. it, it being released. So you do you really not have control? Like to say, well, I I get to have proof though. Once we once we've shot this, I do get to still uh, veto it if I think that these portray me badly. Mm-mm. You're you're in. Once no. you're in, you're in. Yeah. You, yeah. There's no, there's, and, and it depends. Like for me, every time I do a shoot, I own my images as well as the photographer, but that's not the case for most. Um, a lot of times the photographer will own those images and then you get to pick from there, uh, the ones that you like and that he'll edit, but those other images are still his. So it's, it's important to, or hers, you know, right. girl and guy photographers. Um, it, it's really important to know and be comfortable with who you're working with and set guidelines. And you, like I said, I'm, it's different for me because I own them. The photographer owns them, you know, simultaneously and we can do with what we want to. Uh, if, if somebody is looking to do photos and they want something that's sexy, but they don't want it to look, they don't want it to cross that line take the time to write up something, you know, to write something up and say, Hey, listen, this is, this is how I'd like it to go just in case, you know, there's something that they're not comfortable with. Right. Well, well, being that you're signing off and letting go of it and trusting the photographer, and, and I know that this is going to be a little more extreme of an, of an example, but it, are there certain general parameters that protect the model from, say, taking her head and photoshopping it onto a naked body and putting it out and saying, hey, I, I, you know, I shot this person? Because with, with the way that Photoshop is nowadays, you a lot of times cannot tell that that's two different people. Right. Is there some general rule of, you know, you're really not allowed to go outside of these parameters or are there really, it's up to the model to make sure that doesn't happen? It's up to the model to make sure that doesn't happen. Hundred percent. Wow. Yeah. Yes, because once once somebody has your images on their hard drive, if you haven't signed anything, they can do what they want with them. Mm-hmm. And if something bad were to happen, I've never had. I've been very fortunate, and I've never had anything like that happen. You also research the people that you don't already know before you shoot with them, though. I mean, you don't just go in blind and go, well, you've got a camera, you want to shoot me, so let's shoot something. I mean, you right. you take the time to look into who you're working with. And I think that's the first, that should be the first rule, right, is know who you're yeah. working with. And then the second Always. one would be make sure that you're protecting yourself legally. Exactly, exactly. And and, and that's the thing is... Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Pulp Suicide, <laughs> online, mm-hmm. um, she actually just posted a thing today that I was talking to her about. It's, if you're going to work with a photographer or a model, reference check. Yeah. Find out other people that they both work with. So if you're looking for a photographer, find five or six of their models and reach out. Hey, listen, is this person cool to work with? You know, do you have any issues? Do you know them personally? Uh, look and see the work that they've that they've put out, and then for photographers, talk to other photographers that have worked with that model to make sure nothing bad is going on, no drama, or you know, have, has anything been misconstrued in a certain way, or have they been rude, or were they just amazing to work with? And that's what we're all hoping is that we hear they've been amazing to work with. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's such a an interesting difference between whether it's a it's a, a female model or a male model. And we talked about this yesterday when when we were chatting. And uh, 
I, I realized this morning how grateful I am that the movie Aquaman came out. Because as much as I'm enjoying this new genre of female uh, heroes, which Mm -hmm. I think is long overdue, Mm -hmm. I kind (laughs) of like that there's finally a movie where women can be like, I can't want, I want to go see this movie because this guy's like incredibly hot. Instead of like the the tip, because typically I think women don't gravitate towards those kind of movies because they're so marketed to males. It's, it's way over the top. Yeah, it, it can be. Yeah. And, and it, it was, yeah, Aquaman was great. And it was, it was for everybody, mm-hmm. you know, men and women really to come and see and have a good time. Yeah. I haven't seen it yet, but I, I've heard uh, mostly good things about it. I mean, there's always going to be someone that's like, oh, don't waste your time. That movie's stupid. <laughs> but, but really, I mean, it's all anyone's own opinion. How much, as, a, as just a fan of movies and, and, and looking at it also through the eyes of an actress, how much do you rely on what critics say? Uh, I don't think you should ever rely on what critics say. You can take it with a grain of salt and learn from it. Mm-hmm. But don't take it to heart too much because it's, it, critics are, are different with, you know, one movie can be horrible and they'll say it's the best and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's just up to everybody to see it and go on and, and you can read forums and Reddit and things like that to see what people are putting online about it. Um, rather than the critics. I mean, critics can kill a movie before it's even out and then right. give people uh, an idea about how it's going to be, which might not even be true. Mm-hmm. Or it might not be true for you. Like, right. Because people's tastes are so different, it almost seems to me like, you know, you you know my taste well. If you And I know that you're a big horror fan, so if you recommend a horror to me, I'm probably mm-hmm. going to watch it because you and I both are fans of that genre. Yeah. But if, if, you know, like you don't know, you know that I'm not big on comedies, you're probably not going to recommend a comedy to me. Or if you say this is really good, it won't necessarily mean that I like it because that's not something that typically interests me, you know? Mm -hmm. A good friend of mine, I get to watch, um, because we vote on them for SAG, Mm -hmm. uh, the SAG screeners. And a friend of mine had seen one of the movies and she hated it. Oh, she hated it. She Mm -hmm. said, well, I almost walked out of the end of it. Um, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be at all. It is so bad, Victoria. She's like, do not see this movie. And I know that our our tastes are very different. Mm-hmm. So I thought, mm, I'm going to see it. And I loved it. I mean, I, I've watched it twice now. Wow. <laughs> I, it's so good. But that's that's the thing is, it's just opinion. Yeah. You know? And you really have to give it a chance. Give, you know, give things a chance. I think that's it. I think if the if the premise of the movie interests me, I'm willing to give it a chance. And I don't yeah. really get that much time to watch movies because I've, I'm just doing too many different things. But mm-hmm. when I do, I mean, if the premise interests me, then I'm willing to give it a chance. There yeah. are certain actors, if they're in it, I'll give the movie a chance, even if the premise is less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. You know, because I know yeah, that good. I'll enjoy them in that movie. Um, but yeah, I really, in general, I just can't take people's opinions to heart as, as much. And I, I never really understood how the critic business ever really took off in consideration of that. But this is it now we live in a, in a different age. Like when you think about Siskel and Ebert, that's all there was back then, that newspapers, right. you know. That's what I was going to say. Now you go to YouTube and you can watch the reviews there. Right. And see, you know, see what, what people are thinking in different different people, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of different avenues for that. 
Yeah. I mean, other than saying things like, you know, the, 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 maybe the audio was mixed badly or the production value was super amazing and is worth watching it, whether you like the story or not kind of comments, as far as the story itself, it just seems like it, it's just too much to personal taste to really be too much influenced by that. What I try to do personally is I don't, when I get a script, if I believe in that script, I'm going to take that role. If I don't believe in that script or think that it's a good role, then I'm I'm not I'm not going to be inclined to do it. Um, it's it, so it it'll be up to the actor. If you know that the actor chooses good roles, then they've pro- you've probably done something good. Now it's not their fault if the director or the editor made some weird decision in it, because once you edit, I mean, whole entire characters can get edited out of of films, sure. and that happens all of the time and it has nothing to do with the actor or their or their acting it just has to do with okay you have to make this movie fit within this many minutes uh, to make it work and then we can mark it out and do get distribution for it sure or or that that uh storyline didn't really move the overall story right. forward so we're going to cut it out exactly yeah yeah so um i i try not to think about what could go wrong Mm-hmm. I read the script, and if I believe in it, then, I, then I'll do the movie. Now, you, you don't have to say the name of the movie if this happened, but I'm curious now, have you had a movie that you've shot going into it with that premise of I believe in this story, and then it was edited to change the story completely, and you, you kind of wish that you hadn't been a part of it? If, like, if you'd have known that that was going to be the final story, you wouldn't have taken it? Mm. I... Uh, I don't know if I wouldn't. I don't know if I wouldn't have taken it. But there have been early in my career, there were a couple of things that I did that I was like, oh. But you know, I think everybody early in their career um, just want, wants to work, right? So, um, so they will. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I think maybe there might be one out there that I uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to. I didn't expect to come out the way that it did. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again. You know, you can't help that. As an actor, your job is to go in there and do the best job that you possibly can. Right, exactly. And that leads me to my next question, because you've done a lot of work, and I'd really like to get your opinion on this. When you see a movie and you think that the actor, like let's, let's take the lead actor for whatever movie, you look at that and you go, wow, they were really not good in this movie. How much of that do you look at attributing to the actor's performance versus the director's ability to direct that actor in this film? Oh, the director can make or break the the way that a performance comes through. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've seen the best actors just in the, the worst. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, this is horrible. But if you don't have a good script, you really don't have a lot to work with and there's not much that you can do. So it's, you know, maybe they... Maybe they were in contract because some actors with the big studios will have a contract and they have to do so many films with that particular studio. So maybe they did it because their contract was ending or maybe they did believe in it. And then it just turned out, Ugh, but they'd already signed off on it or something. I'm not, you know, I'm not really sure how that works, but I've definitely seen that where I've seen just phenomenal actors and they get 
the worst lines and I just feel so bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen that too, where I'm, I look at it and go, how did you not edit out that line? Because it doesn't fit anything. It's a throwaway line that, that just was like a bad joke. How do you not see that's a bad oh. joke? But, but people need to understand too, that when you're editing a film, you've seen that film 250, 300 times. Oh my God. And it's, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're proofreading your own paper in school, you're not mm. reading all the words that you wrote. Your mind's skipping over things automatically because it, it knows what's happening and you don't catch all those right. little details or spelling errors and things. I've done powerful scenes um, where we had to do many, many takes mm -hmm. and the, the editor chose my reactions that were basically the test runs that didn't have the emotion, didn't have the, the anything in it. And I was, oh my God, so sad. You know, I'm like, what, what? Because you know, it didn't seem to even match with what was going on. You right. know, if you're being yelled at by somebody and then your reaction is just to calmly, you know, react back. It's when you know that the, all the other takes were, were not like that. Um, it can be disappointing, but that was their vision. That's how they wanted to see it. Right. Uh, yeah. That's, that's, what they wanted to do with it. So you just have to trust. You just have to trust in that. Are they getting a little bit better at that now, though, where they're starting to, like the directors are saying, okay, write down that this is the shot that I want to use. And then they're giving those notes to the editor after you do 30 takes of something. A script supervisor is supposed to do that. Yeah. So we're, like in those kind of situations previously, did you not have a script supervisor or were they not maybe on point that day? I'm not trying to throw anyone um, no, under the bus. I'm just no, kinda, and, and, no, that's okay. And no, it's because I have done a lot of indie stuff. And at that point, I don't think there even was a script supervisor, to be honest. Yeah. So, so yeah. That's, and that's what I've learned so much in, you know, over the years of doing this is when you're working with very low budget uh, projects, there are a lot of elements and parts of the puzzle that are missing because there's no money for it or... They couldn't get they couldn't get the person, or they just didn't simply know that it was as necessary as it is. Well, there are certainly, especially in the indie world, a lot of growing pains. You know, you try yeah. and cut all the corners that you can because you really don't mm -hmm. have a budget or, or a very yeah. minimal one. Um, but then you learn after that film that oh, maybe I should look at right. that for the next film to budget in the script supervisor or you know somebody who has maybe better lighting mm -hmm. equipment or or things right. like that i mean it's it's certainly a process and and that comes to what you were saying earlier about having a team because once you find those people that do perform at the level that excels your film instead of hinders it you don't want to really experiment with new people after that yeah because you've worked so hard and so long to try to find a team that works. Yeah, right. Definitely. Exactly. So before we go, I want to ask you, is is there anything that you're, you know, now that you guys have just begun shooting, is there anything that you've done to prepare for this role? I mean, obviously you can't practice shape-shifting in real life as far as I know. <laughs> Are uh, you sure? Well, I guess I'll, <laughs> I'll find out at some point. <laughs> Um, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm doing a lot of work to make sure that I, I prepare uh, as much as I need for this. Um, I'm watching a lot of watching a lot of films that have similar type characters uh, to what I am. Um, working with uh, people that I know that have that have acted for a while with a little bit of, of coaching on that. Uh, taking care of my body really well. I I have to go through a little bit of a transformation uh, myself change some things so i'm gonna look a little bit different oh. yes so i definitely have been i have definitely been working 
well, and doing my doing my research. I hope that you're getting some good advice. Like, okay, when you when you switch from a werewolf back into a girl, your shirt's <laughs> going to be tattered. You're going to have to buy a lot of shirts. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm getting really good advice like that. That was that was always something that you know. Whenever I watch a movie, of course, my mind just tends to wander, and I think about things like that. I'm like, if I was somebody. Like, uh, who is it, Lupin in, in Harry Potter, who transformed from a werewolf back into a person? I'm like, how many sets of clothes do I have to have handy for right. whenever I happen to change into a werewolf? Have like a fanny pack of clothes. <laughs> right, yeah. And then wonder where I left it as I was running around chasing everything. Exactly. But that's cool. Though. I, I like that you really dig in and, and you do it. And I'm really excited for this film. Now, I, I know this is really premature because you've only, like I said, just begun filming. But do you guys have a, a target date in mind for release at this point? For release? Mm-hmm. Um, no. I Well, I know that he wants to be editing within the next couple of months. So it's, it's going to be just like a, like a normal movie mm-hmm. where you film for you no know, more than like three months. And then, and then you do the editing process and then usually the end of the year from there. Um, but we're going to be doing a lot of, uh, I think film festivals and uh, promotion that way. So it'll come out like that first. Right. And yeah. then, and then the distribution will follow. Well, that's a good point. So uh, for those people like myself who want to see it, keep an eye on the film festivals if you're able to attend any of those. I know that some of them are are not as easy to get into as others. Uh, And then obviously it'll come out uh, somewhere after that. I would imagine uh, hopefully online, maybe it'll hit like a Netflix or a Hulu kind of thing would be cool. One of those platforms might might, uh, be be hosting. That would be nice, Uh, yeah. Yeah. There's going to be, I think, a lot of avenues where you're going to be able to find this film. I'm very, very happy to be able to say that. Yeah. Well, I know that you've been on Netflix before because Piranha uh, came out on Netflix, and you were in that, even though I still have yet to pick you out. Uh, Really? Yeah, well, I just, you know, I don't pay that, like, I don't watch a movie. I have movies Mm -hmm. on while I'm doing marketing and other things, but I don't, like, just sit there and watch movies, even though I really should, uh, because I would probably enjoy them more. Uh, So I know that you have been on Netflix before, so it'll be nice to to have you back on again. And and, and, and in a a role that uh, you play the title character. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for that. Um, Very, very excited. Right now, I think that you can find some of my movies on Voodoo, uh, Netflix, if you search my name, uh, iTunes, there's a, there's a lot of, oh, Amazon Prime, yeah. I've got films on there as well. Uh, but, but yeah, this is, this is, I've, I've done lead type roles before, but this is the first film that I've done where I am the title character. So I'm really looking forward to it. That's pretty sweet. And then that, and then coming off of this, this killer magazine spread, uh, it's nice to see that things are flowing well in the world of Victoria Page. Thank you. Well, you're going to come back and see us again, right? Of course. Excellent. Excellent. Well, in the meantime, happy filming. I wish you guys the the greatest of success. Paul's a good guy. I've worked with him as a director, uh, like I said, just on the additional music for for the film we did, and uh, he was good to work with. So I think think you'll have fun working with him on this, and, you know, obviously you've got some people that you're already comfortable with, Mm -hmm. and I think the the people will, the rest of the people will meld in fine, and it's going to be a great production. Yeah been fun so far i can't wait to see what comes next awesome well thanks victoria come back and see us again and uh we can't wait to hear how this all turns out anytime thank you so much scott you bet take care 
Yeah, gosh, I hope that you guys had as much fun as I did talking to her. She is just so much fun. She's a blast. And every time we get together, it's always a great time. And uh, we just don't get to see each other enough because now we live in different states and schedules. And, uh, you know, we're both pretty busy people. But I'm really grateful she was able to come on the show. And we will definitely have her back on. I'd like to have her on uh, at least a couple times a year, if not more. So stay tuned for next week's podcast. We have another wonderful guest coming on. And uh, if you'd like, go to my website, go to the podcast page, hit the donate button. If you want to throw a few bucks my way for doing this, this all comes out of my pocket. Also, if you are on iTunes, make sure to hit that reviews tab and leave a star rating or review. Thank you guys very much. We'll see you next week. 